Welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah, and I'm here today with Jen and Ashley. This is Ashley. We'll chat about our Unabridged Book Club's pick of the month, recommend related books, and share our nerdy English teacher love of reading with our Unabridged highlights and with short episodes featuring targeted topics. To follow along with our schedule, visit our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, this is Ashley. This week, we wanted to take a moment to share with you our three most popular short episodes thus far. So these are our unabridged shorts. We do this a couple of times a month. The ones we want to share with you today are first our anticipated reads for 2019. That's been a popular one, and we're excited next week to give you an update on how those lists are going for us. Second, today we'll be sharing with you Love is in the Air. Um, That was a fun one that we did around Valentine's Day. And finally, most riveting, I think, is our confessions of our literary sins. So we will share those with you. We really enjoyed when we released that a while ago. It was fun to hear what you all found are your literary sins, and we would love to hear about those on Instagram. So um, definitely let us know on Instagram and Facebook what you think about each of these topics. We want to hear where you are with your 2019 list and what what romance books you're enjoying. That's always a popular thing for summertime. And finally, what literary sons you're committing these days. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That helps us so much to find other book lovers out there. Thanks for listening and let us know on Instagram what you think about each of these topics. Hey, this is Jen. We're here with one of our unabridged short episodes. Um, We wanted to follow up our wrap up of favorite books from 2018 with a look ahead to books we are anticipating in 2019. Before we get started, we just want to remind you that our February book club book is Meg Wolitzer's The Female Persuasion. So we would love for you to join us online or if you're local in person to discuss that book. All right. So looking ahead to this year, what do you most look forward to reading? Um, well, what, one of mine is um, Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins. That's Reed. on my list too. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have only read um, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo um, by Taylor Jenkins Reid, but I loved it. it I was, was going to say I haven't read that one, but that I want to read that. Oh, uh, really it's really good. That's why I hear it's so great. Oh, so good. I mean, it, I when I read that book, I was totally blown away. It was not what I expected, and I just loved it so much. It was one of my favorite books I read in 2017. Um, so when um, I saw that she was having a new one come out, and um, it's about uh, a girl coming of age um, in the late 60s in L.A., and um, there's a band component with the six, and she's this talented singer. And I just I really love everything about that so um that is definitely one that i put on my list and then i entered a goodreads giveaway and i won it so i have it early so i'm so excited so i promised jen that i would read it over christmas and give it to her so she can read it i can't wait i have total almost famous vibes just from the cover it has this really cool compelling cover yeah i think it looks great and i really do i think taylor jenkins read i've liked i think i've read three or four of hers but every book i think gets better. I think she strengthens as a writer and takes on more complex character. So I'm excited. I can't wait to read it. So I am looking forward to another, this is another author one. So I just have some authors who I just love to follow. Um, Have you all read any Helen Oyeyemi? No, I have not. She is really good. So she has a new one coming out called Gingerbread. Um, This is her second that I know of where she takes a fairy tale concept and kind of spins, um, spins it totally on its head. And she has this really sparse writing style, pretty dark. um, And they don't really feel like fairy tales, but that underlying um, foundation, I think, just makes them fascinating. So I'm anxious to see what she makes of the the place of gingerbread in multiple fairy tales. It sounds like it's going to be very interesting. 
Um, I am really, so I should say that in general, this, this is not my forte. Um, (laughs) Like the, um, you know, making my own list. I'm really good at looking at other people's recommendations and following those. Um, but I'm not always great about finding my own list. I rely heavily upon my, um, beloved reader friends such as Jen and Sarah, (laughs) um, as well as the bookstagram community on Instagram. And, um, I look at all that stuff. So in general, not my strength, but nonetheless, um, I do have a giant pile um, for my TBR list. And so when I look at those, I mean, some of the things I'm really excited about, um, something that is not in my traditional reading um, that, I'm, that I'm becoming more interested in is just books about minimalism. Um, that's a concept I'm really interested in, and I'm really looking to kind of simplify um, my lifestyle. And so... Um, I have listened to, like, really doing audiobooks has helped me get into that more mm-hmm. because those are books that are easy to listen to on audio and so on script. I've listened to um, two or three different books about minimalism, and so um, that kind of opened that doorway for me. But um, Jen and Sarah very kindly gave me um, <laughs> The Cozy Minimalist Home by McQuillan Smith, um, and they gave that to me for my birthday, and um, it is gorgeous and has really beautiful images inside. And I have already flipped through several times and started doing a little bit of reading of it, um, but I look forward to reading that in 2019, I feel sure that I will not get to it prior to January 1st. (laughs) So that's one of the ones I'm excited about. And just something that that's a kind of a new venue, I think, Mm. in books for me that I'm interested in pursuing. I have that book. I have I have read through it, but not cover to cover. So those are nice books, I think, to yes. dip in and out of. Yeah. And they're just really pretty, too. Yes. So even if you just stare at it. She <laughs> also, and it does, yeah, even, I mean, I will say just kind of flipping through, like, it's the kind of thing that you can get some good ideas from mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And that's nice. Yeah. Her first book, The Nesting Place, is also um, really beautiful. Nice. <laughs> and she talks about kind of how that she... Um, went through all of her stuff and all that so I like that stuff too I'm not good at it like I feel like Ashley's way better at it mm. than I am That's but, debatable, but but you have not been and seen my closet but <laughs> <laughs> um but I do I like to read about it but I'm not so great at the action part <laughs> Um, I actually have a nonfiction book on my list too, and this one is already released, and um, I cannot wait to read it. I just got it. It's called "This Will Only Hurt a Little" by Busy Phillips, mm-hmm. and so I, I watched Dawson's Creek religiously when I was younger, and she was on Dawson's Creek, and then um, so I really liked her on there, and then um, once I started really getting into Instagram, I started a following her someone had said that she had a really good Instagram page and she is hilarious on Instagram so I started following her and I really like her and so I really wanted her book when she started promoting it I was like yes I'm gonna read that so I enjoy I enjoy memoir and I enjoy and I might even buy it on or receive script has it but I also might buy it just by the audio of it because I'm she narrates Mm. it and there's something about hearing the book in the author's own voice, mm-hmm. especially with memoirs, for people who aren't necessarily writers by trade, mm-hmm. I really feel like the audio versions lend mm-hmm. themselves to just a even better ex- reading experience. So um, I'm really excited to read it. I don't really know a lot about it. I just know it's a memoir and it's about her life. So um, and I like celebrity stuff. I'm yeah. very I'm into the like I like to know the little ins and outs. So I'm really excited to read it, and I really like her. So I'm excited to get to read it and um, get a little bit more info on her mm-hmm. in general. I have um, only one nonfiction book on my list and that's by Dane Hucklebridge. So we loved his book, The Castle of Water or Castle of Water. I can't remember if there's mm-hmm. a D there no or not. Um, so his new book is called No Beast So Fierce and it's nonfiction. So I think that's gonna be interesting. It focuses on a tiger who killed over 400 people, um, which I think sounds interesting. It reminds me, there was a great book called The Tiger by John Vailant. Um, and it focuses on this tiger whose mate was killed and it kind of went on this revenge spree and it's nonfiction too, but like it really did seem like it knew what it was doing. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think that sounds fascinating and like his fiction was so beautiful. So I'm assuming that the same writing would hold true, but I, and I like nonfiction. So, so yeah, I think that could be an interesting read. Um, I am really excited about Angie Thomas's next book Yay. on the come up. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to um, for that to come out, and I can't wait to read it. I mean, I just loved 
everything about you, the hate you give. And I felt like she was such a brilliant writer. She's really talented. Um, her characters are um, deep and um, they, I love the interactions between them, and I think she builds relationships really well, mm-hmm. and her books move, re- or that book moved really well, and so I am excited to um, read her next one. Yeah, I'm really excited to read that one too. And it sounds like a to- totally different mm-hmm. book, you know, type of book than that yeah. you give. So that'll be interesting to see how she, um, what what she does since yeah. the Hate You Give was her debut. So I'm excited to read that one too. I have a follow-up, too. Um, so Karen Thompson-Walker wrote The Age of Miracles. I read, read that several years ago. That was about um, the moon was moving incrementally closer to the earth, and it was causing, like, time to change. And, and I mean, basically, it was going to be an apocalyptic event, but it was a very slow one. And That's it was, I loved that, too. I, I loved so that book. Good. Yeah. What was um, the one called again? The Age of Miracles. I haven't heard of that. It's really good. I should put that on it's my on list. the shelf in here. Somewhere. Okay. <laughs> um, so she has a new one called The Dreamers in which, um, and I can't tell if it's just this town or if it's more widespread, but people just fa- start falling asleep, like perpetual sleep. Mm. Um, and I just think she did such a good job in The Age of Miracles of, um, no, okay, I misspoke, first of all. The moon isn't getting closer. That's another book. The rotation started slowing. The rotation of the earth started slowing. Anyway, okay. So, but she did such a good job of taking this, this thing that was not true that, and but showing how it would really affect people. And it focused on a girl. I think she was thirteen, and just the way she wrote that character was so amazing. So, I'm really anxious to see. And that's been a while since that book came out. So I feel like it's a good sign when an author takes takes. Her his or her time with the next book. So that's The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. <laughs> We're all looking at each other like, who's next? Um, well, I have one that is also has been released, but that I, um, I've had on my list, I mean, most of this year, and I just have never gotten mm-hmm. to it. Um, and I've heard nothing but great things about it. And I think it was long listed for the National Book Award. It's it's there there by oh, yeah. Tommy Orange. That was, was great. It, did it win the national book no. award? No, I, th- I, th- I thought so. I thought it was long listed. So I um, I've heard nothing but praise for it, and I've just heard it is um, it's poignant and it's just so compelling, and it reads like a page turner, but it also has all of these um, all this depth to it, and that and it just seems really and I'm really interested in the indigenous perspective. Mm-hmm. So I just. I'm really interested to read it, and I think that's probably going to be one that is like on my as soon as I can read it, I'm going to. You know what I mean? It's It's like at the top of the list, and it's a fast read. I mean, I just yeah, it's It's not really that thick either. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. I'm always in for a fast read as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, another one that that has come out, like you were saying, Sarah, that I haven't read yet is Lainey Taylor's um, next the the second in her series, um, and Muse of Nightmares. Um, is the book title, and I read Strange the Dreamer um, a little while ago, not right when it came out, um, but I want to go ahead and read this one and read it soon, um, because Strange the Dreamer is still pretty fresh in my mind. I just love Lainey Taylor. I think she's a brilliant writer. Um, I love her world building and her characters and um, the intricacies of her story, Um, but I have learned also that I need to read her books relatively close (laughs) together, because there is a lot of detail, um, and that's what makes them rich, but I think also um, you benefit from reading them more closely together um, and I love fantasy books um, I have this year I have read very little fantasy um, because with all that we read for the podcast and then just the types of things that I've been picking up I've really enjoyed um, but have gotten away from um, some of the fantasy books for exactly what Sarah was saying like they are they move fast but they are often very long mm-hmm. um, and so invariably I'll pick something else up um, but you know I love them and I think that I, it would be nice to get to it you know, winter is a good time to, um, to do a little bit of fantasy reading and um, be in another world. Mm-hmm. So I like that, and I hope to get to that soon. That's funny that you say that because I'm sitting here thinking because fantasy is one of my favorite genres, and I just have read – the only thing I've read is Children of Blood and Bone this year, and that was for the podcast. And I was also thinking that the new one comes out mm-hmm. um, soon, you know, soonish, and I feel like I would have to re- do a reread or a very in-depth Review, um, review mm-hmm. to remember exactly what happened because there's just so much in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a couple um, of fantasy, like it's the next in the series book. So Children of Virtue and Vengeance mm-hmm. is definitely on my list. I want to read that. Um, Me too. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Um, mm-hmm. Doors of Stone by Patrick Rothfuss. So this is the long, 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 long awaited third book in the Kingkiller Chronicles series. Um and I mean, these are like door stoppers of books, but they're so good. And they've an option for TV, and Lynn Manuel Miranda is involved. And yeah, I'm ridiculously excited about all the things associated with that. <laughs> and then Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell, which I know, <laughs> I know, yeah, we are all big Rainbow <laughs> Rowell fans. So I know that my excitement is shared. But yeah, I just cannot wait to see how she continues the story of Carry On. Um, which originated in Fangirl, which is my favorite. And I will say Carry On is my favorite <laughs> while we're um, sticking claim on our favorite yes. Rainbow Rowell. Mine books. is Eleanor and Park, yep. so we all have a different That's right. One. So, yeah, so <laughs> I'm excited about all of those. Um, and also, Leah Bardugo is starting, I mean, technically it's a new series, um, starting with King of Scars, but it's a continuation of that same Grisha universe. So I feel like it's going to feel like part of the same series that she's been, that, that world that she has been building since um what was the first one called i can't remember the initial title of it anyway since the first book in in all of her books so yeah and i would say like i loved six of crows and crooked kingdom that duology way more Mm -hmm. even i mean i loved the grisha trilogy Mm -hmm. also but um but i really enjoyed her second ones and i think like cassandra claire is another author who i love but i have loved each of her series that she's done Mm -hmm. as the more the longer she's written series the later the series is in her writing process the more I've loved them and that's been true for me for Lee Bardugo that I just absolutely loved those and so I can't wait to see what she does with this one I still cannot find the title but I'm oh oh, um Shadow and Bone so that was the first um in the Grishaverse so all right. So what else? What else? Is on uh, oh, go ahead, you go I was ahead. just going to say that there's one children's book that I just saw on Instagram that I'm super excited about called The Undefeated, and it's coming out in 2019. It's by Kwame Alexander and illustrated by Kadir Nelson, um, and it just looks brilliant and powerful. And um, I love Kwame Alexander, and so I'm really excited to um, see that one. And can't yeah, can't wait for it to come out. Um, the illustrations look gorgeous. Yeah, I, everything by Kwame Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, I have a couple more on my list, but I'm just going to talk about one more because I, um, I want, now I want to read all the ones you all have talked about, <laughs> <laughs> but I had to have, this is a perpetual problem. With um, I wanted to have at least one romance book on my list. So I, um, I'm going to go with the girl he used to know by Tracy Garvis Graves and um, that doesn't it doesn't come out until April I got an advanced copy I think again from an insta uh, from a um, giveaway on Goodreads I just go and randomly enter and sometimes I just get books and it's a big surprise but um, this is a book about two people who knew each other um, when they were in university and they uh, had some sort of relationship, and, but it didn't, you know, they, they kind of went their separate ways. Mm-hmm. And then um, they, like a decade later, they, their, their paths cross and, you know, and then their story starts again, mm-hmm. I guess. So um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I love the cover. It, I just thought the artwork is gorgeous. And um, I'm just, I'm really excited to read that. And I just wanted to have at least one, mm-hmm. one romance or something <laughs> like that on my, um, on my TBR for 2019. So that's the one for me. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll end with one that I have read, but I'm very excited to see come out. Um, I got this one from NetGalley. Um, it's called The Girls at 17 Swan Street, and it's by Yara Zeb. Um, and uh, I might have misspelled her name, or might mispronounced her name, but it's um, Z-G-H-E-I-B. And it is coming out in early February. It is an in-depth look at anorexia and the way that that can be so consuming for the person experiencing it. Um, and so the main character is a woman who um, is married and is in her 20s and she has gotten to a point where she needs to go stay in a place um, in order to try to treat her anorexia. And so um, it's just, I mean, I felt like it was raw. It was really powerful. Um, It showed 
all the ins and outs of it. I mean, I feel like I've read other books that have addressed eating disorders, but I just felt like this one, um, the story is gripping and it also just shows, lays bare the ways that you can't quite escape from, um, from the, the illness and um, just how debilitating that can be for everyone involved. And so um, I just thought, yeah, I'm excited to see that come out because I think that it's going to be a great read for people um, and will really um, be, be speaking to a problem that consumes so many people, um, but that, again, I think it's kind of a different, it's a different take on it than what I have read before um, and just really shows the daily battle that the main character experiences and what that's like for her and how inescapable her situation is. All right, now I want to read even more of all the things <laughs> that I already wanted to read. Um, thank you for listening to this unabridged short episode. And just remember to join us in February for The Female Persuasion. Thanks. Hey, this is Jen. Um, so we are here with one of our unabridged shorts and because it's February, we decided that we would talk about some of our favorite love stories. And I, I love love stories. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of romance and they make me very happy. Um, so I have a lot that I would love to share with you. I think we all do at varying levels of excitement. Ashley's glaring at me. <laughs> glaring. Glaring is a strong word. Frowning I just slightly. was a little bit inquisitive when she said... The long list. It is true that Sarah and I were like, we think you can stop now because she had like 20 listed. And also love stories are not my most favorite thing, which was another. So it wasn't glaring, but I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's really weird because when I was trying to think about my love stories, I realized I really don't read a lot of love stories that are written for adults. I've read Mm. a lot of young adult that have romance adjacent yeah. but mm-hmm. not like yeah. a true romance so yeah. I was I was like I don't have a lot to pull from but I, I, f- I found some yeah. <laughs> All right. same, here. same here well I'm going to start um, with a book that I've talked about on the podcast many times but it is the first book that popped into my head when I thought about this episode and that is Rainbow Rowell's Fangirl um, I just this book for me is comfort food whatever the book equivalent of comfort food is. Um, It is just, I've read it several times. I think it's really great in the way it juxtaposes um, fangirl writing, fan writing, and this great love story between two characters who are imperfect and who have to find a way to come to an agreement about what their relationship will be like. And um, they are both quite quirky. Um, Cather, the protagonist, is perhaps quirkier um but yeah I just really love it I love characters who feel real to me and she feels real to me so Rainbow Rowell's fangirl is my first love story so in Rainbow Rowell's fangirl just build on to that one um she the the fan fiction that's being written is carry on that then Rainbow Rowell made into um, an amazing book. It is my favorite of Rainbow Rowell's books. Um, and it's called Carry On. And um, that story is one of my most favorite love stories, actually. So, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I love the book. I think that um, it, I like Fangirl. I do not love Fangirl as much as Jen does, but I, I liked it. But then I loved the deeper dive into the fan fiction. So in some ways, I didn't buy into it as fan fiction in the Fangirl book as much. And then when it was its own story and I was all in it, I loved it so much. Um, it has a lot of the elements that I love of a Harry Potter-ish world, um, and yet it's geared a bit older, so it's a little bit... Um, crasser a little bit grittier Mm -hmm. and that is I'm all in for that um and then the love story that evolves is just really sweet so yeah I love that one so that was Rainbow Rowell also with fangirl I mean with (laughs) (laughs) see fangirl I know it's like subconscious (laughs) subconsciousness is weighing in here anyway um Rainbow Rowell with carry on and I'll join the Rainbow Row <laughs> fan club. Apparently we have a love story going for Rainbow Row. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Eleanor and Park. 
I read this several years ago, um, and it was my first Rainbow Rowell book, and it was probably one of the first YAs I had read in a really long time. And um, it just, I love this love story between the two title characters. And I think she just has this ability, especially in this book, to write teenagers. She reminds me like some of the characters in John Green's book. Like he, mm -hmm. he can, they write these characters who um, are just, just seem so real mm -hmm. and they have problems, but they also have this underlying like strength. And I just, that's what I loved about this book. And um, normally I hate book jackets like the descriptions and book jackets but I the book jacket on Eleanor and Park says said over the course of one school year this is the story of two star-crossed 16 year olds smart enough to know that first love almost never lasts but brave and desperate enough to try mm -hmm. and I just <laughs> love that and um, I love both of these characters um, I thought that the book was really realistic and um, it touched my heart so Eleanor and Park I am on the Rainbow Rowell train with Yay. Ashley and Jen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to recommend two series. Um, both of them, I would not say, are purely about the romance, but romance is a big part of them. Um, and both of them follow, uh, each of them follows a couple over the course of a relationship. So the first one is one from my childhood, which sounds kind of odd, but it's Ellen Montgomery's Anne of Green Gables is the first book. And then there's a whole series. Um, and in this book, I mean, I just think Anne is one of my favorite protagonists ever. Um, she is spunky and she is just this outsider who has this brilliant perspective on life. And I think if you're thinking of love stories that aren't just romance, the love that she finds with Marilla and Matthew who adopt her is just one of the most beautiful parent-child relationships I think I've ever read. But anyway, um, and then, and hopefully this isn't a spoiler because this book is really old, but Anne and Gilbert, it's this enemies to friends love story. They really don't get along when they're children. They grow to love each other and eventually they get married and then you see their marriage. And so I think that's unusual it to see a love story that's continued through the marriage that isn't just happily ever after um and then the other series that does the same thing as diana gabaldon's outlander series it does it in a very different way and in a much more explicit way um there's a lot of sex in this series and it always feels ridiculous to describe a time travel series but there's time travel there's world war ii there's scotland back in the day um and but, so many pages. And so, so many, many pages. pages. They, these, are some, these are some big books. <laughs> you know Sarah and I are out. Yeah. On that one. <laughs> but I just love these books. They are fun. And I think Jamie, even before the show was out, I thought he was really sexy. And I love Claire because she brings her modern perspective to, like, to see a feminist in old time Scotland <laughs> is really funny. Um, and so, again, you just see this couple grow past that initial flash of love into something deeper. So Ella Montgomery's Anne of Green Gables, Diana Gabaldon's Outlander, um, kind of a weird pairing, but there it is. <laughs> um, another, <laughs> sorry. I'll just acknowledge that my phone rang. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, while we're talking about series books, um, actually when you were describing, it was you talking about um, explicit sex that made me think about the saga series um which is um, yes great i mean oh, it's a graphic novel a um but it really it's a comic book series um and it's fantasy i'm not going to go a lot in depth i've talked about this before i think jen probably has as well we both really like it but i mean i love the love story yeah, in that so when you said that's that that's brian example. k vaughn's um saga and it Saga one and two are the volumes are in books now. Um, and I just love that. I love the love story in that um, it's complicated and um, difficult and, and really tumultuous. And like Jen was saying with Anne of Green Gables, it tracks the couple over a long period of time. And I think a lot of times we don't get to see that in stories. Um, it is like a happily ever after. Often like the stories about the coming together mm -hmm. of, a, of a couple um, and then you don't really see anything after. And so I like that part of Saga. So I was not planning to speak on that one at all, but um, I, I feel like I have to mention it. 
Um, anyway, when you think when I'm thinking about series books, um, Marissa Meyer's um, Cinder series, the the Lunar Chronicles. Um, I love those so much. I love the characters. Um, I, I love that I'm a sucker for twisted fairy tales. Um, and I, again, I think I've talked about this in other contexts before. Um, but I do love the love story in it. Um, I think that it is sweet it develops over a long period of time and the different books have different love stories all of which i think are believable rich um interesting and quite different from each other so i think that's a nice series to look at um different couples and the ways that they um function as a couple yeah i haven't read those but i've always mm-hmm. i've always eyed them but I do again love them. it's a series and that just feels overwhelming. Okay. <laughs> um, but not as long as Outlander, so no, perhaps sure. there's a better chance. Um, well, I'm going to talk about one I read just recently um, in January, and it is The Kiss Quotient by Ellen Huang. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. I did try to look it up. Um, I feel like that's my I feel like that's my normal statement, um, but I did try to look it up and I couldn't find it. But um, anyway, so I got this book from Book of the Month um, a, a while back, and it has been sitting on my shelf. And I decided to pick it up because um, I wanted something fast, and it is a very fast read, and it is a love story, but it is pretty steamy. Which I, if you follow me on Instagram, you um, were let, I let you know that several times. But um, it just the the sex is pretty explicit for me. Um, but I did, I enjoyed that the, the main character, Stella is, um, she has Asperger's. And so the premise of the story is that she has Asperger's and she, um, doesn't really get the whole romance thing. Um, and she, (laughs) she hires a male escort to, um, teach her (laughs) how to, how to have a relation, well, how to have sex first. And, um, it's pretty explicit and it is um it's fascinating like the dynamics between the two and um i did enjoy her backstory and his backstory uh i i liked it for a romance mm-hmm. i liked it but again it was steamy it's not for your mama <laughs> did, did, sarah, did sarah mention it's it is steamy. steamy so if you're if you're listening I, we want to make sure you know <laughs> well i think it's just like when you when you pick up a book like um, like Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, going in that it's going to be, there's going to be some explicit sex scenes, but like when the front of this is a couple like kissing and some math equation things. And I'm like, and okay, it does not, does not say like, we're going to have a lot of steamy sex to me. So, so when I, when I was reading, I was like, oh, wow, they're going there. And, I just want to know, want people to know that if they are listening to the podcast and that is something that they are not looking for, then don't pick up the kiss mm-hmm. quotient. But if that is something that you that you like or that you don't mind, it's a it's a lovely story and it's a different take on a contemporary romance. I have not um, read something like that, and it's really it is the way that the love story develops is both frightening and also <laughs> precious. <laughs> Because of the way it begins. So it's kind of like, like that a, could be a show title, Frightening and Precious Love Stories. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like Pretty Woman in, in, where the gender roles reverse. So anyway, that's the one I told. <laughs> well, I feel like there's not a my, good. You have peaked my interest. I know. Ashley's like, can I please borrow that tomorrow? <laughs> All right. Well, I have a similarly steamy recommendation. This is um, this is the episode of steamy. That's right. It's very steamy. Steamy. Um, Sally Thorne's The Hating Game, which is quite sexually explicit. So again, if that's not your thing, don't read it. Um, but this book is another um, friends to enemies story, which apparently I'm recommending today. Enemies to friends. Thank you, Ashley. Yes. She's giving me the hand signal. <laughs> you did it backwards. <laughs> enemies to friends. Um, when I thought, I, I, could, I haven't read the book, so I was like, uh, you yeah. could go the other way. No. But it didn't. It yeah, is enemies to friends. Okay. That would be weird. Um, so this one is great. I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's, it's all about the banter. So it's a fairly straightforward narrative. It's about these two people, this man and this woman, who work together and they are sort of professional rivals and they really get on each other's nerves. Um, 
And they just have this great witty banter back and forth where they are, you know, antagonizing each other for a long time and then not antagonizing each other. Um, But it's just really smart. The dialogue is smart. The writing is really smart. Um, It's narrated from her perspective. And she is just this great, confident woman, um, which I really appreciate. And the male protagonist is very dreamy, which I also appreciate. And yeah, so that's Sally Thorne's The Hating Game. And she just had um, a follow-up. Her second novel came out in January. So um, I'm, I have not read it yet, but I have heard good reviews of that as well. So tentative recommendation on that one. I can't remember the title, but we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> is Just yours steamy? Not, I was going to say, my next recommendation is not steamy um and i feel like i should say about the kiss question it's not that i'm dying to read a steamy book but i would not have picked it up on that premise and then what you said about like the way the couple comes together and everything that's really interesting that's an interesting perspective so then that that does make me more interested in wanting to read it whereas when i see the cover again i'm not a romance book lover so like a lot of those times i see the covers and it's like off-putting well so that's interesting and what i do want to say is after reading it if you read the author's note mm-hmm. don't read it first but after reading it if you read the author's note it's really fascinating how she came to write the book and i think that that author's note made me like the book even more mm-hmm. so cool i thought that, that was sounds, really cool yeah it sounds really interesting Okay, so my not steamy recommendation, um, which I do love, is Lee Bardugo. I feel like I have to say an aside that she has both a Netflix thing coming and her next Yay! book is coming. Woo-hoo! And it is all over the you know Twitterverse and social media um, because people are very excited. And I'm excited. I'm part of that crowd. Um, anyway, Lee Bardugo, the Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom duology. Um, like like the Cinder series, there are multiple couples involved in the story, um, and I really like that. But the main two characters, I love um, in <laughs> in that series, and I just think I I love them as individuals, mm-hmm. and I love their relationship is really complicated, and they both have a lot of baggage that they bring to being a couple, um, and yet. Their relationship is really tender and vulnerable um, and hopeful amid they both have had um, and continue to have like really hard circumstances. And so um, I, I just love that. Um, and I mean, the the main um, guy, Kaz, is um, a bad boy. <laughs> I feel like I, I should say that for Sarah because I keep <laughs> wanting her to read these books. Um, and then... You know, I just think he is, yeah, I mean, both of them are really broken but really strong, Mm -hmm. and um, both of them are trying to find their way to do what's right in a really wrong world, kind of. Um, Yeah, so I just, I love those, and I love that couple, Inez and Kaz, particularly, but again, there are some other other partner relationships in the stories that, in those two books that I enjoy as well. I, I am going to read those. I oh, really want so to. I know, I know, just looking at the covers, I know that I will love them. But anyway, that's something for a different day. Um, so I, um, I did want to say, like, when you are talking about these romance, your romances, and especially when you're talking about Six of Crows, is I t- the romance that tends to, like, really affect me are more of, like, the star-crossed lovers yeah. or, like, these, these, um, me too. these characters who go through to great lengths to be able to be together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are, in the near future, we'll have, like, a sad books episode. And I have saved some of my romance picks that will also go into that. So I did want to say that because some of these are, I, I really enjoyed them when I read them, but they're not, like, these, these, epic romances that have stayed with me Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. I read the book. So I just wanted to say that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, another romance that I read um, that was a fun, fast read um, is The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. Um, and that one is like a romantic comedy. I, that's how I felt. I mean, it could, I felt like it could easily be a enjoyable movie. Um, it just, it starts out with this, um, a a woman and a man getting stuck in an elevator and um they kind of have a connection and she becomes his um kind of date for a wedding and it just 
progresses from there. And there are some of the, the normal romantic comedy tropes in it. Um, so it's not something that is um, that stuck with me a long time after I read it. But I, when I read it, I really enjoyed it. And I really wanted to get through it because I wanted to see what happened. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great book for February and for romance season. Um, so that's that's my other pick. And I did want to mention, because I don't have any more after this, um, one of my favorite romances, and I don't even know if it would be categorized as a romance, but is Castle of Water, which we did on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, that was a story that stuck with me for a long time and still sticks with mm-hmm. me to that day, and it's been a long time since I've read it. So um, that's one of my favorites. But I didn't want to go into great links because we've discussed it lots of times on here but i love dane that's dane hucklebridge Mm -hmm. castle of water so we or at least i could go on and on and on and on and on about these romance books that's not Um, a joke nor is it hyperbole (laughs) i think that's a good place to stop so i think maybe maybe we'll continue sharing on social media but we would also love to know what you would recommend um what your favorite love stories are so Check us out on Instagram at Unabridged Pod, on Facebook. Um, you can look up Unabridged Podcast um, and on Twitter. Um, and we would love to know what you would recommend as well. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. We are here today with one of our Unabridged Shorts. We are talking today about confessing our literary sins, and um, this is coming from, um, has been inspired, I should say, by Anne Bogle's book, I'd Rather Be Reading, Chapter One, where, and she discusses her Mm -hmm. own literary sins and how we as readers um, actually have literary sins. So we thought it'd be fun to do a short episode and let us talk more in depth about (laughs) our our literary sins and confessing to each other what those are. So what do you think? Um, So (laughs) mine is both a literary sin and just a general life problem. Um, (laughs) I buy more books than I really totally want to admit right now. And (laughs) I am ridiculously compelled to own books. And I get like five Kindle newsletters in my email inbox every day. And even though I do not need any of those books, and I have very many (laughs) hundreds of books on my Kindle that I have not read, I continue to buy those great deals because they're great deals, even when the books are at my local library. (laughs) So I, yeah, I buy a lot of books and I've gotten better. I will say I made myself a budget and a goal amount each month, which I will not reveal here. I'm not ready to confess that much. Um, and I've done better staying within that amount. And then I look at the total amount for the year, and I'm kind of disgusted with myself. And yet I will continue to do it. So that is one of my biggies. That is one of my goals. Yeah. And I drive my minimalist friends crazy because I know. That. Not I know. true. Not true. I mean, it's not my shelf. <laughs> so I don't mind. Now, my husband has some similar tendencies. Yes. And that is more in the arena of things that drive me crazy. <laughs> and I should say, I And do he feel doesn't guilty. buy all the books. But I mean, they right. just pile up. Yeah. I mean, things just pile up. And so. I try to get and rid of them. And I do them. my own. Yeah, I try to get rid of them. And I, I do feel That's a little guilty. I will continue just to do enough. it. Not, not enough. enough. Not enough. So not that, guilty yeah. enough. That's a not sin. quite guilty enough. Exactly. That is a sin in and of itself. To know that I should be better and to not really want to be that much better. A little bit better. So, okay. So, who's next? Um, I, I had told him before he started, I was like, I'm just going to listen to what people say and then try to kind of warm up here. <laughs> um, I feel like I said before we started recording this that I think that some of my literary sins are like so egregious that I don't even realize that I'm on the plane of literary sins. Um, because as we have discussed in other episodes, I am not, in a lot of ways, I'm not quite the traditional reader. So um, consequently, I guess one major literary sin is I have read very few of the classics and most of the ones that I have read I hated um so you know and that's gotten better I mean as an adult when I read things I like them more than I did as a kid I also read the real book instead of the spark notes which is another literary sin while we're confessing them (laughs) I knew once I got warmed up I would think of lots of things (laughs) (laughs) so I think that's a factor um but I still 
I'm, I'm like you, Jen. I'm like, how much do I want to confess right. here? Like, I read Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen relatively recently, and it was fine. Gasp. I feel a little guilty <laughs> saying it out loud, but I mean, it was fine. I mean, I just was like, oh, okay, well, this is fine. I didn't pay for it on my Kindle. I will it's also fine. say that is not the genre of classic that I would have recommended for you anyway, right? Yes, I, mean, I think, like, right. Like, because she's, she's clever. Yeah, so, like, there are things in there that are clever, but it is very much a romance. <laughs> Yeah, and like the in some some of the sort of um, conventional parts, I, I I could keep going. I'll just leave it at that. That that's another literary sentence that um, even when I try them, I don't necessarily love them, and sometimes it is um, hard to admit to other bookish people. But that's okay. Well, friend, <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you, and I actually don't even feel guilty about confessing it. I just think they're kind of boring. <laughs> I don't like the great Gatsby. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> I'm just gasping all over the place. I'm going to be like out of breath by the end of the episode. And I just recently, I think I just talked about this on the podcast. I We reread it for a book club that I'm in with my mom and my aunt. And I didn't like it that time either. So, and that was just like a couple months ago. And I just, they're just kind of stuffy. I tried to read Emma. And I love romance. Mm-hmm. thought that was boring. I just don't like them. I just don't. I've tried to read Jane Eyre. I thought that was boring. I just think I don't like. I don't like the language. I just. I'm just more of a contemporary reader. Mm-hmm. And I like. For a long time, I was like, I need to like these. I'm a reader. Mm-hmm. I need to appreciate these. And then I was like, you know what? No, I don't. I don't have to if I don't want to because there's a book for everyone, and these are not my books. That's right. And I understand that other people like them, but mm-hmm. this is just not my cup of tea. Yeah. And um, there are more books than you could ever yes, read right, that you right. will like. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I have that one as well. Do I need to do a unique one now or should we keep moving? Okay. I, I can do another one. Okay, you go I ahead. can do another one. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I just didn't want you to feel alone, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I feel supported. I feel like I need to confess that I do like a lot of classics. <laughs> so that's its whole own thing. And I don't like all of them. And I always have to steal myself because it feels like this mountain that I'm going to get ready to climb. But I end up liking a lot yeah, of But them. see, that I is think, the thing yeah. that I, that makes me just be like, no, thank you. Yeah. I don't want to climb the mountain. Right. I want to start and, like, be in right. it, you know, yeah, and right. I don't like that. Yeah. And, well, and I felt like, I thought that, like, with Pride and Prejudice, and then it didn't take very long, and right. it wasn't a mountain, but it still, I mean, it was fine. It's like getting Like, it was over. just fine. And I was like, oh, well, I, like, like we talked about, I mean, there's this way, there's so many books that I'm dying to read mm-hmm. that I would have enjoyed more, and I just didn't feel like it was this... It wasn't like a revelation. I think right. that sometimes yeah. when you hear all these things about books, then you think, oh, yeah, it's going to be revelatory to read it. And then when it isn't, it's like, oh, okay, well, I could have read, you know, a fantasy book instead. Right. Right. <laughs> and that would have been really fun. So, oh, well. And not so boring. Not so boring. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm moving on right it. now. I'm moving on right now. Yeah. Um, so I, this is, I don't. All right, I'm just going to say it. So I have come to be convinced that people should abandon books that they are not enjoying. And I tell students this, and I firmly believe it, but I have a really hard time with that. Um, And I am a completionist, and I still, like, there have been, like, I don't know, fewer than five books that I have not finished. And I still have guilt and feel like I should go back and get them and read them. But I don't want to. So it's this weird struggle, and I don't know what it is in me. Yeah, that I so I often I don't often because I I do self select a lot, but I do sometimes just read books that I don't really like, even though uh-huh. I would recommend to everyone around me that that's stupid. And of course, you should abandon books if you don't like them, because again, there's so many books out there that I will probably love because I yeah. love a lot of books. So, and I do have that problem also. Yeah. I don't have the guilt thing, so if I do abandon, I'm fine with that. But I it's because I'm really goal driven. So once mm-hmm. I've started the book then I want to be able to count that book, essentially, even though no one's looking but me and I only care myself. But it's like once I've invested 100 pages, I'm like, well, it's only 250 more Mm -hmm. or whatever, and I should just keep going. And I I know similarly. It's silly, but I can't. I mean, I recently abandoned a book, and I was like 150 pages in. And it was by an author who I had previously really liked, and I just couldn't do it. And, and I, I just, think that's the right thing to do, uh, but it, it does. It is hard. It's hard for like for me. It's hard to do it because again, I'm like I just want to be able to say that I read the book. Yeah. Like I in I for my own tally, 
I want to be able to be like, oh, I finished this book. And you can't count the Right. And the I feel like I'm, it's not legitimate for me to have a negative opinion unless I finished it. Yeah. So, like, I will never talk about this yeah. book in public and name it. Because I, I feel like that's not fair. Because what if in right. two more pages yeah. it had just been a revelation? Yeah. I think that's the thing for me. Like, if, if I'm just reading for enjoyment and mm-hmm. I don't like it, I'm, I don't mind abandoning it. I don't feel guilt. But if it were, like, for the podcast mm-hmm. or if we are talking about a book or if I'm going to talk about it in any type of Like, have a review public, on it yeah, or anything like that. I will yeah. finish it even yeah. if I don't like it. But, but, I, but I don't have any guilt about it if... Maybe I'm a slacker here because I'm like, I hate the classics. I have no guilt about this. I don't but, think you're a slacker. So. <laughs> but, um, Nobody thinks you're a slacker. I don't hate the classics. They're just not for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, like I don't mind by abandoning books because there are just so many. And if I don't really like it, and I can usually tell in the first, you know, five chapters or so, mm-hmm. I guess depending on how long they are. Yeah, I would say that if I'm going to abandon, I almost, I almost always do it immediately. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I know very quickly if I'm not going to enjoy it. But my problem is if I don't abandon it, but I'm not enjoying it, then my reading pace just slopes uh, way yeah. down because I don't care about it. And then, and right now I'm back in the, like, I read a million books at one time. So then I just neglect it. Mm-hmm. I, there's one book that I won't name that I've been reading for like six months now. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because I will neither abandon it. Nor can I quite finish it. It's fine. Um, so, you know, I think that happens yeah. also where I don't really want to give it up. But, yeah, it's the non-committal. I'm neither <laughs> going to give it up nor finish. It's all right. <laughs> um, another one of mine is um, – <laughs> I hope nobody from my library is listening. Um, I read all the books while I'm in the bathtub. <laughs> I read my Kindle. I read my own books. And I read my library books. So Yikes. I... And then we check out books from the disaster? library and bring them to our houses. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay, all the library Have you ever dropped a book? I have not. And I'm clean in the bathtub. Because right. normally, if I get in the bathtub, I'm also taking a shower first. So... Oh. So, because you don't, I don't, you don't want to, that's yeah. a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I know, I was that's like, a, I was like, this is going to like digress into like, why, why don't Americans do that? Anyway, we're not going to have okay. that discussion today. But yes, there's a whole bathing etiquette that is strange and different in different cultures. And I do think it's strange that people don't shower before they yes. bathe. Because I, for all those reasons. Yes. Anyway, now you right now you know. Number one, I do do that. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you get a book, I check I did, that it's still nice and clean. If you get my book that I from the library, honestly, I don't check out that many books from the library because I prefer to own them because I like to market them and stuff, and also because I read in the bathtub. Right. But that's I. I mean, that is what I like to do. Nice glass of wine, bubble mm-hmm. bath. Read my book. I can't think of anything better. So <laughs> that does sound pretty so, glorious. <laughs> Maybe like you're winning me over so. to the dark side here. Oh my gosh! You I don't like baths? Oh, oh my so, gosh! Yeah, that does not sound appealing to me. Uh, see, but. I really like that, and I do know people on Instagram do because they take. I don't take pictures of my bathtub, <laughs> but I see other people that do. So, and I think it looks appealing when they do it, but I just am not going to do that. <laughs> I feel like I've confessed too much. <laughs> right now and we have enough confession these are times when you need to give me the cut it Sarah. cut it <laughs> okay so another thing that i do not <laughs> another thing that i do not feel is a sin but i know other people are taken aback by is that i write my books i fold the pages down um and i have realized recently that i am at least aware of doing those things. So mm-hmm. for a long time I did it and did not feel any concern at all. And then like I am the book that I'm currently reading um, for the first 60 or so pages, I didn't have a way to mark. Um, like I didn't have like the little, you know, um, sticky notes or whatever to be marking it, but I didn't want to write in it necessarily, which was partially because somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I could give this book away, mm-hmm. but then I can't write in it if I'm going to give it away. Um, but anyway, once I finally committed to writing in it, things moved a lot more smoothly <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I have my pencil. It's fine. If I have to erase everything, I will. It's okay. Um, so, I mean, I think that's something that I always wrote in books and then, but then I've had a lot of students that are really appalled by the idea of writing in a book. Mm-hmm. And I know that, um, that is a common feeling that people mm-hmm. really 
feel that you should not write in them. Um, and yeah, I'm just now coming to a point where I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to write all over my book. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I, for a long time, that was just the way that I operated. So, I mean, I don't think that's a literary sin. Yeah, I do I think don't feel like, about it. I think it's a great practice actually, but yeah, if it's, you shouldn't do that in library books. <laughs> and obviously you're going to give it to somebody else. Although I kind of, I find it interesting when I accidentally get a book that someone's written in. I like Because it it's too. that glimpse into what they were thinking and what lines they paid attention to. And yeah. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't think that's literary sin either. <laughs> though I'm sure that it really drives some people up the wall. So, um, okay. So my last one, I think, is compulsive listing of books. And again, this is one I'm kind of torn about because I like to list things. I like spreadsheets, which I've mentioned many times before. Um, <laughs> she likes them a lot. I do. I like them a lot. So I have a spreadsheet. I've talked about this before too, but I have a spreadsheet where I keep track of all the books that I've read for the year and I keep track of the genre. Sarah's getting stressed. Again. I know, I'm already getting um, stressed over here. I have genres and I mark like how many pages they were and how many days it took me to read them. And I like all of that, but I do sometimes feel like, like Ashley, you were saying you're very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. Like there is some satisfaction in putting the next entry in the spreadsheet. And so I feel like I don't think that takes away from my enjoyment of books because I love books a lot. Um, but I have heard some people say that that is kind of a bad thing because if I love books just for themselves, I shouldn't have to keep a list of the books that I've read. And so in some ways it feels like it's not organic in the way reading should be, but I like it. So it probably is literary sin. <laughs> Again, I am pretty much unrepentant and will continue to do so. And I might even add more categories to my spreadsheet next year. We'll see. I might walk on the wild side and add even more <laughs> columns. <laughs> there may be color coding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That has to be a T-shirt. There's so many of those nice phrases, walking on the wild side. Add another category to my spreadsheet. <laughs> um, I have one more. And this one actually has changed a little bit since I started taking photos for Instagram because I can't do this. But I break the spines of my book because mm -hmm. I like them to be able to lay flat, like when I'm reading them. But now that I take photos of my books for Instagram, it doesn't work as well mm -hmm. because then sometimes the it doesn't look nice in a photo. So I... <laughs> you don't say. No. <laughs> so I'm a little taken aback that you do that. I didn't realize you did it on purpose. Like well, you purposefully break them. Well, no, no. Like I don't get my book and be like, now I'm going to break this fine. <laughs> <laughs> but when, I, when I'm reading, I don't mind if it happens yeah. too for uh -huh. my enjoyment yeah, yeah. of the book but but no I don't do it like I'm not like this heartless spine breaker <laughs> you, just, you get home from the bookstore and you're like yeah. crack, crack, crack crack or I go in the bookstore and just break the spines no I don't do that <laughs> random spine breaker you're like the spine breaking bandit or something <laughs> but oh, I man. do but like it's just one of those things like a lot of people I know are just like that is a huge thing. Oh. And for me, like if I'm reading a book and that happens and the book stays open so that I can read it, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say it's only annoying when the pages fall out. Yes. I have had it where they break and then the page, the pages also fall out. And then that is yeah, I don't like that. But no. otherwise I agree with your philosophy there. And that's, I've moved more and more toward, I used to prefer paperbacks, but I've moved more and more toward preferring either a hardback or just reading it on a Kindle. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I feel like, the paperback is sometimes hard to manage for, yeah. for those reasons. And I mean, and the paperbacks are definitely harder to manage for taking photos. I yes. mean, and we take photos, for, I take photos for the podcast and like they, the, the, even if I'm really careful and I try to be really careful now that I am doing that. Mm -hmm. And like that is also taking out some of the reading in the bathtub because of the moisture in the air. And I mean, at the pool or wherever, yeah. I just read books near water. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really, I'm like, it's her life philosophy. This is not going the right way for me, but, but I mean, I just noticed that the spot, that the covers curl, I used to prefer yeah. paperbacks too, but now I've, and I also like the dust jackets on hardcovers because I can use them as a bookmark. Oh. Yeah. I do that. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a, them. that's a bit of a literary sin. It's I like, know. and I do it too, but it like totally warps them. Yeah. I was doing that with the one I'm reading right now, and it was like making them bigger, it was warping the dust yeah. jacket, and I was like, I bet this is something that bothers people. But oh, I, I yank them off right away. I can't stand having the dust jacket on oh, while really? I'm reading. That Where is the do you first put thing it? I do on my shelf. 
That's mm-hmm. all I'm done. I, it just bothers me because it slips and slides. And we I'll take them off the for the kids. They don't like having them on there, so the children's yeah. books we remove them. I also and I have a stack in the closet where yeah. they go because you know that's yeah. the kind of thing that would drive me crazy. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> yeah, I also take all the like inserts out of magazines immediately before I read a page of it. Interesting. I just don't like the extra stuff. I just want the book or the magazine, and you so. don't want things falling out, right, or off, or mm-hmm. slipping around. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> well, that is going to conclude this talk. I think you found out a lot of stuff, <laughs> maybe more than you wanted to know about yes, us. Did, we but we would love to know your literary sins, and we would love if you would, um, you know, just tell us on Facebook or in the Instagram, um, in our Instagram post that we do for the episode. But we would love to know your literary sins. Um, thank you. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We would love to hear them. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, on Instagram and Twitter at UnabridgedPod, or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com, or on our Patreon page. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light. Many thanks to Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer, and Tim Rieger, our videographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.